I'm writing the screenplay. What's yours about, if you don't mind me asking? Well, uh, you've seen me in X-Men. Yeah. Uh, the character I am, Professor Charles Xavier. Mm. If you remember, he can control things with the power of his mind. He can yeah. make people do things and see things. So I thought, what if you can do that for real? I mean, not in a comic book world, but in the real world. All right. So in my film, I play a man who controls the world with his mind. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, for instance, um, I'm walking along and um, I see this beautiful girl and I think I'd like to see her naked and so all her clothes fall off. All her clothes fall off? Mm, yes, and she's scrabbling around to get them back on again, but even before she can get her knickers on, I've seen everything. Okay. Hello. Yeah, this is our first... Um, um, this is our first... I'm too, I'm sorry, I'm too shell-shocked here. <laughs> yeah. Let's, you want to start over? <laughs> sure. Okay. Anyway. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the film room. This is our first Patreon-requested episode by Nathan Shen. Damn it, Nathan. <laughs> Damn it, Nathan. I mean, Nathan, my brother, I... I because um, obviously this came from my brother. Uh, my brother is not someone whose knowledge of bad movies is small. Right. Nathan has seen, pre I, I'm pretty sure he's seen every MST3K ever. I wouldn't doubt it. He knows what bad movies are. And he didn't go with an easy one for us. He didn't just go with a cliche, do Battlefield Earth or something like that. Which, mm -hmm. which by the way, I never have, I have no interest in ever getting to that one. I'm just going to say that right nah. now. Not interested. I've seen it. Nah. It's 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 really not I don't I don't think it's quite as interesting as people make it out to be. But no, Nathan Nathan dug deep. And Nathan dug real deep into the archives to find a movie most of you are gonna have no idea exists. We didn't. I did because I remembered a Stomp Tokyo review on it that's now gone off the internet. Um but that's about all that I remember from it. We watched Zapped Again. When Nathan first posted what his choice was, I didn't. I didn't even register as a movie title. Yeah, it's like what? Okay, until you until you informed me that it was. It's like oh, mm -hmm. all right then. This is the sequel to the 1982 Scott Bayo um, Willie Ames movie. So if you're a big Charles in Charge fan, you might have seen it. Yeah. If you're a big Bible Man fan, there is no way in hell you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. And. I'm going to be blunt. I haven't seen it. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel the need to do that much research for um, this cast, mostly because I wanted to give this movie the fullest attention that I could, and I kind of felt like it would be better to watch it if I didn't know what had happened. I have vague awareness of it because the last scene of it is kind of famous in uh, cult movie circles as one of the stupidest and most baffling scenes um and it does get referenced in this movie but that's about all that i knew about it i didn't even know that yeah so that's about all that i knew about it and i knew i knew vaguely that this existed the thing that sets this movie going has anything to do with uh the plot of the first then i can probably suss what what happens in that movie, and that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's it's enough. This is this is not a movie that's extremely heavy in continuity because, of course, it uh, this was a this was a weird movie. This was somewhere between 
It was done direct to video. Near as I can tell, I'm not completely sure where this movie was intended to go. Um, my theory is it was probably shot as like a TV movie. And then when they realized that, okay, nobody's buying it, it was hastily reshot for a direct-to-video market and reshoots were done to amp it up to an R rating hmm. because, with some limited exceptions, this really doesn't feel all that R-rated, to be perfectly honest. Except for, yeah. the problem is those limited exceptions are, they're really transparently edited in and awkward and uh, bad. Yeah. Let's just, let's just go on and get out of the way. This is a really awful movie. I'll tell you uh, what it reminds me of and what it reminded me of throughout. We've all seen Pleasantville, right? Oh yeah, many times. This reminds me of an updated version of Pleasantville, only with the 90s, you know, like, you know, if that was like the cultural, you know, concept of what the 50s looked like, even though it wasn't really like that. Yes. This is kind of what, you know, the cultural, like the fictional 90s looks like. Yes! Yeah, that's exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. This movie, it was released in 1990, and that's, and it's so presumably shot in 89. I don't know, this may have even been shot earlier. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to find out this sat on the shelf for a bit. Yeah. It has a shellfish vibe about it. That's exactly what this feels like is. It's, it is, it's 1990s, the movie. It's night. it's that one moment in the culture. Let's say 1989. Yeah. I'll be generous and assume that they shot it in 89. It's very, it's very day-glow. Very, yes. Like, the color scheme in this movie is all day-glow and the worst fashions possible. Yeah, and the way everybody talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I can, I can see what you mean by, you know, reshooting for an R rating, because they, like, add a bullshit in there. There are a couple shots of uh, nudity in there that's like, okay... This doesn't fit anywhere in here. No. I think they're going for a mash sort of thing. Sort of, kind of, like, with the, like, the kids that take over, that inexplicably take over the, uh, the PA system for the entire movie and are never caught. The following announcement is a warm token of our deep appreciation of yesterday's cafeteria lunch menu. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's be clear. This movie, even though it has transparently fantasy elements... Even if you took those out, it does not take place anywhere near the real world because it... No. This is a movie that felt like it was in a less grounded reality than Bill and Ted. Yeah, that's saying something. Did I think of Bill and Ted throughout this movie, and oh, did I miss the comic genius of uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. And just so that we're clear, I'm not being sarcastic. Mm -hmm. uh, if you listened to our last cast, I think you could have inferred I was a big Bill and Ted fan. I... I love those movies. Those are awesome movies. And, you know, and I also happen to think Reeves is a much better actor than he's given credit for. Um, I'm just going to pause this real quick. If you haven't seen John Wick yet, really, really, just mm. sit down and do it now because it's awesome. It's great. Talk about uh, universes that don't exist. That does it right. That does it right because it <laughs> it creates such a, a, a richly plausible world. Like, that's what it does. Yeah. It creates a plausible world. But, yeah, watching this, I missed, like, that kind of humor. And I'm, I'm going to have a lot more to say about the PR, the PA guys later. Because yeah. this movie, I took about three pages worth of notes watching this movie. 
So as I said, here's what here's what I know about the movie. Direct to video in 1990. Not sure it's on DVD. Kind of hope it's not. Uh, it is on YouTube. I doubt it. I doubt it. It's on YouTube for free, yes. It's on YouTube for free in multiple copies. The one I watched was fine uh, in terms of quality. I doubt it ever looked good. Yeah. As I said, it was released by ITC. I'm just going to pause right now and see what ITC released because I'm just kind of curious. I have I, I have seen their... I think they released on Golden Pond on video. Like, they, they are a... I don't believe they are a studio. I think they are just, like, a direct-to-video, like, retailer. They were distributors, and, uh... Distributors, yes. You are correct. They did distribute on Golden Pond. They distributed yeah. Sophie's Choice. They distributed The Dark Crystal. And then they distributed this. They distributed The Muppet Movie. Um, yeah. Man, as I'm looking at it, the, um, you know, or at least they produced, th they, they, they produced those, um... As I'm looking at this, they really produced a number of pretty actually actually pretty good movies. Um, yeah. Wow, that's that's actually really depressing. Now, um, I wish I hadn't done this. I know that's the only that's the only uh, way I recognize that logo because it was on the the actual videotape cassette for um, uh, on Golden Pond. Yeah. So, okay, there we've taken y'all through a, a, a little tour of film history. Uh, they were a British company. Um, but it was, they are, suffice it to say, I don't think they are anymore. Uh, they haven't distributed anything in many years. Um, right. This was, this was just, ugh. As I said, the movie has credits for being a teleplay, which makes me think it was intended as a TV movie. Right. Teleplay is too good a word for this. Teleplay is a word that I've started to notice is a warning sign if I'm watching a movie outside of knowing that it's a TV movie. Hmm. Um, I've written up the atrocious parallels on this uh, uh, for the film room lobby, and that one also had teleplay as the warning. Yeah, I'm not saying there's never been good, even great movies with that term in there, but usually if you see it outside of the context of a movie that you know was made for TV, like a TV miniseries or something, or an HBO thing, it's a warning sign. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, because HBO has made some great movies, so. Yeah, they have. We've gotten this deep into the film, and we haven't even really started to touch on the film. Um, Basically, a quick description of the plot is this guy has moved into this town, and he's starting at this high school. It's not entirely clear what level. All we know is, like, not senior. No, and um, even though most of the actors in it look well past senior status. <laughs> oh, yes. The main character looks exactly like Tobey Maguire. Except if he had absolutely no acting ability. And by the way, I know a number of people who are going to be like, but Maguire already has no acting ability. Nah. <laughs> no, this guy's this guy is... I, call, I, I referred to him as floppy hair in my notes. Floppy hair. <laughs> Oh my god. The very first scene is, yeah, like you said, a sex dream. Uh -huh. It's like, okay. And I want to pause here to talk about that scene for a second, because just that scene really bugs me, because, okay, it occurs to me, this is our first teen sex comedy to discuss on this show. Yeah, it is. I, I want to start by, by noting, contrary to what y'all might be thinking based on my history, I actually don't hate the genre. 
There are actually a number of them that I do quite like. I'm a big fan of the American Pie films. Uh, I haven't seen the fourth one, but I've heard decent. Um, I, I love the first three. I, I think they are perfectly wonderful films. I think they're decidedly um, sex positive, which I actually like. They're they're decidedly female positive. The female characters have as much interesting things to do as the males. It's also good. Yeah. Mark then can be said about this. Mm, I, I'm also a big admirer of the underseen, but I still think kind of wonderful, uh, Sex Drive, which has, which also opens on a on a drain. And <laughs> I, I I'm not a I'm not against the genre. Um, there are some good ones, but again, what's necessary for me is they need to have some degree of positivity towards the idea of sex, which. All the mm-hmm. films that I just listed do. And they need to have the female characters be more than just the love interest. Or props. Or props. Yeah, which this, good God. And also, I, cr- I cringed every time that like the character made a pass at his teachers and the teachers were like, yeah, I'm into this. Oh God, we're gonna we're, gonna, we're oh. hold your breath, hold your breath. We've got we've got yeah yeah. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got a long journey ahead on this film. <laughs> so just in this opening scene, the guy is fantasizing that there is a woman stripping down in his uh, living room, and his mother doesn't notice. And this scene automatically highlights what those movies got right and this one got wrong, which is okay. We're starting off by establishing that the main character is lecherous, but we're not showing him. Usually in those movies, there's a scene, a, a, a scene where the character is quote unquote punished for it. And it's not that they're punished for having sex, you know, in humiliation, because they always wind up getting humiliated in some way. Sex Drive has one of the grossest jokes I've ever actually laughed pretty hard at <laughs> because it's so brilliantly structured and well made. Usually in those movies, you have some sense of humiliation, mostly to underscore the message of these characters are wrong for only thinking of women as props. Yeah. You so don't have that here. No. The mother isn't even horrified in the dream. She doesn't even notice the woman as she disrobes and removes her top. And then he just wakes up. Like he's about to start having sex with her, and then he wakes up. That's it. Wake up. Yeah. Mom. Are you having a bad dream? <laughs> that's not. No, no, that's not. You, you, I'm sorry to say it, but right off the bat, we've established that the main character is a lecherous asshole and thinks about sex nonstop. And that is going to prove true. That is pretty much all he's going to think about. Uh, so, you know, and I'm just telling you, that is what makes these jokes funny is when the movie makers are smart enough to condemn the prop thinking i just i have to vent about that because that really does bug me and this is my advice to all filmmakers out there it's okay to have characters be horned up i mean if they're teenage males it's kind of logical you know actually i take that back no it's not have a little bit of Mm -hmm. respect it's a it's okay to have your characters not do that right you know just don't just don't it's okay to have a character who's into sex and who is, mm-hmm. you know, but you can't have them just be thinking of women as objects and tell the viewer this is okay. And that's what movies like this do. Yeah, it's not good. 
And so with that, let's just segue into the rest of the film because my god, I we got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. So basically, um, he's he's trying to join a club, and those and that club scene is atrocious to watch <sighs> because it, it's such yeah. easy jokes. Fat people uh, chowing down at uh, like in an eating contest at the diners club. At the diners club, yeah. Ha ha. Uh, Let's see. The debate team are choking each other. Yeah, it's I. I do believe it's two women who are fighting, and then there's a guy in the middle that's sitting down, and they kind of like inadvertently knock him over. And it's like writers, what do you really think? Yeah, this is not a joke. You then have the uh, guy that. Um, uh, in the ski club, who is in an all but full body cast? Yeah, I, d- I didn't catch on to that bit. I'm going to give them like a quarter point for the fact that that could have been a good joke if it was executed well. Unfortunately, the actor is awful at it. He is not selling the joke at all. But you know what? Okay, that's a cheap gag, and it is a Looney Tunes gag. But you know what? It's an attempt at something. I'll give him partial credit. But you're right, he, he, he's there, and he winds up involved in... He winds up getting rejected for the uh, Key Club. The Key Club. Which is the Popular People Club. Which, by the way, the idea that this club could exist in any context is preposterous to me. Yeah, it confused the hell out of me, because I, you know, it's like, what purpose do they serve? What do they do? Like, why are they called the Key Club? It's like, it didn't make, I I guess, my mistake for trying to apply it to the real world, but God. Oh, I don't think that anybody involved in this movie had ever gone to a real high school. No. Because, yeah, because they it's basically a club that is nothing more than an excuse for the popular people to hang out and have their own space. You know that at, at my high school, there never actually were the popular clubs, the popular groups, the popular yeah. crowds. I'm I'm sorry to say this, but I've got to demolish this cliche of high school movies right now. I went to a huge high school, admittedly, and there were definitely people that, you know, were more social than others. But I, but I couldn't point to a hierarchy and say, well, those people were definitely the popular people. This movie has them so clearly in a hierarchy. They have set, they have a clearer hierarchy than Abraham Maslow for the love of God. There's one for your there's one for you as sociology uh, geeks. <laughs> I mean, this is Saved by the Bell level hierarchy of of society. To be clear, floppy hair is rejected by these people, and can we address the big logic hole in floppy hair being rejected by these people? He's a good looking guy. He looks he looks and acts exactly like they do. Yeah, he does. He looks and acts identical to them. He is as arrogant as they are. His mother travels around the country as a realtor. So if she's traveling around the country, she's apparently making decent money. You know? Apparently. If you're having to move that much, you must be in high demand. Uh, so he's obviously of money. He uh, He acts like they do, except for the fact that he doesn't do the whole sweater around the shoulders thing. Yeah. Which... Please tell me nobody actually ever did that, but but he's but he's just as pretty as they are. He's just as much of an asshole as they are. Yeah. He should be in that society. They should have looked at him and been like, yeah, you're an obvious fit for us. Yeah, you're a douchebag, welcome aboard. Yeah, but no. Yeah. No, no. Uh, that doesn't happen, so Floppy Hair winds up joining the Science Club. Science Club. 
they only do one bit of science in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, like, they find, okay, so the thing that kicks off, I guess, the rest of the movie is, uh, you know, they go to their space, and they're fooling around, like, they're messing around, like, this uh, picture frame just comes loose, and I'm sorry, that's just, like, the laziest reveal, because if you look at it, it's, like, it just, like, easily swings open. It's like nobody else discovered this. Check it out. What a style. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do we have here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a movie that is Contrivance City. I mean, this is ridiculous. And, I mean, let me note that nobody who is involved in the science club looks particularly interested in science. Not really, no. Let me also break another rule of Hollywood high school. In reality, the people who were involved in certain clubs and organizations in high school did it because they were really interested in them. For example, I was on newspaper. Why? Because I liked to write, and uh, I liked newspapers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you turned that into a career or anything. No, it's not like that's ex- it's not like <laughs> that's my job now. It's not like I'm a designer for the state newspaper. I'm just I'm rolling my eyes so hard because this is. Um, But nobody involved in there seems interested in science, and I actually did dabble a little bit. Uh, I was in uh, astronomy club one year. Uh, Okay, let me just pause to note. The clubs at high schools, okay, that is real. Obviously, those do exist. Uh, I was in astronomy club one year, and the people that were doing that were interested in looking at the stars. Yeah. I'm still fascinated by astronomy. It's 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 beautiful. Oh yeah. Oh god. I, I there should be like an index. You can tell how little I like a movie when I want to talk around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The upshot of the the picture lazily swinging open is they find these dusty bottles of prune juice that aren't prune juice and they mm. have like an one of them has like a name on it. Yeah. Just one I might add. Just one. I forgot what the name of it, the name was, but they, uh... It was the protagonist of Zapped. That's what I, that's... Of Zapped, yes. That's all that I know. That's also what I got from that. The Key Club guys briefly, like, they open a bottle to find out that it's kind of putrid. And, uh, the Key Club guys come in, just harass him for a bit. And one of them, like, force-feeds him what's in the bottle. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he, like, fake faints and they, like, skedaddle. Which, which, by the way, let's just establish, they have, in effect, poisoned the main character. They could have killed him. That's right. Yeah, they that could have been hydrochloric acid. <laughs> they could have murdered him. <laughs> Don't you love the Good realism job. we're seeing here? Then he finds that he can make things levitate. Mm-hmm. And he, he discovers uh, this... Uh, in no small part when he's at his job, which, oh, God, I hated every... I mean, I hated every scene of this movie, mm. let's call it what it was. The wiener, like, the wiener place. First of all, it was an excuse for nothing but a series of dick jokes. What brings you to the wiener business? I like to sell a product I'm familiar with, and I know my wiener. I can't afford to hire jerk-offs. I can get a lot of studying done and get paid to handle wieners. One colossal wiener, please. Maybe we could work out, have a drink, rent a couple of tapes, and, uh... I'll bring along a colossal wiener. You come near me, I break your wiener. Get in the back and stack some wieners. Stacked wieners are happy wieners. Free wieners from me to you! Come and get a small dip! Second, the opening scene where it shows him making the wieners is disgusting. Mm-hmm. I know it was meant to be, 
but... This is a place that the health inspectors would have had shut down a billion times over. Oh, God. Like, it shows them sneezing on the wieners, like, at the very beginning on the meat. And by the way, I've always found this really classist when movies depict fast food jobs as a ninth level of hell. I find that so classist. I know. I mean, they're always the jobs that people make fun of, but they're also the most abundant employers for uh, people without any experience and people mm-hmm. who are just starting out. Don't be an asshole. I mean, yeah. I, I've never worked. I know you have. Oh, yeah. I worked there for 10 years. I probably worked at one of the cleanest restaurants I've ever seen. I'm sure, because there are health inspectors in the real world. I, I mean, does anybody realistically think that McDonald's would be where they were if people got sick every time they ate there? Right. It just... They've been operating for about 60 years at this point. It just... I, I, I'm not going to say that you're going to go in and get, you know, top-tier, you know, top-level kitchens. Though, let's face it, anybody who's read an Anthony Bourdain book, and I certainly have, kitchen oh, yeah. Kitchen Confidential is awesome. It's a damn good book. Knows that, let's face it, even those places aren't exactly sanitation havens. But all the same, this place... Keep in mind, by the way, the kitchen is in full view of the window. This place would have been shut down so hard and so fast. Oh, God, I could not believe... I could... I hated... Oh, God, I hated this movie. But, by the way, the main character's co-worker here... Let's see, there's... Black guy who is black guy. There's idiot guy who's idiot guy. Then there is one of my favorite tropes in 80s slash 90s movies. Plain girl. And what we got here is a grease pocket. Now when you get one of these, you take this attachment here and you just scrub it right out. Hi, I'm Lucy. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate this trope so much. Let's let's also acknowledge that if there's going to be plain girl, there also must be hot girl in the movie. There is a quote-unquote hot girl in the movie who is introduced wearing the stupidest outfit I have ever seen. <laughs> Let me describe what she's wearing. It is a t-shirt over what appears to be a leotard with a thong on the outside of it. A hot pink thong. Yellow version of the 90s where nobody ever wore that ever. No. This would, just, this would be almost exclusively in 1989. Like... Yeah. You could only get away from th- with this from, say, 1987 to 1989. This was... And, of course, she's a big-haired blonde. She is, yeah. of course, hot girl. Because that's what we're told. The other girl, of course, is a much more normal-looking, dresses like a human being, uh, quote-unquote, plain girl. And ha- also have to say that she is in the science club. Mm-hmm. She's also in the science club, too, because contrivance. Right, of course. And they both have, like, an instant attraction to each other. Yes, because let's because let's address the obvious truth about all quote-unquote plain girls in these movies. They are always, without exception, prettier than the hot girl. This is something South Park, by the way, b- pr- brought up. If anybody has ever seen the Aspen episode of South Park, um, yes. stressing the ass part because the title did, this movie is that... I am convinced they probably watched this movie, even. That could be. Dan, for whatever it's worth, I think you were really brave. Thanks. Who are you? Hey, all the cool teens are going to be at the youth center tonight for a dance. I hope you'll come because you're just so... Well, you're just so... Well, that's all. Because because they even lay out that trope in there. But that's always what you notice in the dichotomy between hot girl and plain girl. Hot girl looks ridiculous by the standards of... uh, 
today, whereas Plain Girl almost always doesn't. It's because I'm convinced that there are two standards going on in a society at any given time. There is the standard of what is popular in that one moment, and there's the standard of what is timeless. Yeah. Certain things are always going to work. I think you're right. Jeans and a t-shirt are always going to be comfortable, and you can depict a character wearing that in any era, and they're not going to look ridiculous. So, of course, Plain Girl, while still dressing somewhat of the era, her hair is her hair is down and tied back usually. She's not overdoing it with the makeup. She's she's got relax, you know, she's got pleasant features. Uh incidentally, I should note that Plain Girl is one of uh the only actors in this movie to go on to do anything anybody has ever heard of. She was on the uh, practice for a few years. Really? Yeah. And and she's worked steadily. I actually looked up the IMDb credits of most of the cast. Incidentally, uh, Hot Girl also has continually worked in uh, small parts throughout the years. So she she's definitely kept a working career going. And, you know, cheers to her. It's hard. I actually pity every actor involved in this movie. I'm I'm going to try to go light on them because I actually pity them. I, I think there were a couple of big-name actresses in there. Yeah, we're going to get to those as we get to them because I, I want to hit on yeah. Because because we also have, we have more tropes to hit on, I'm afraid, uh, and they're a big trope. Um, but as I said, I just I'm I don't know I'm I'm getting sidetracked, but I have to note that trope because it annoys me. So that's what you've got. You've got those two characters. By the way, Jock in the movie because I'm not calling any of these characters by their names. Jock and he has a lackey. Jock looks transparently too old to be. I mean, he really looks too old. You appreciate how great Thomas Wilson was when you watch all these guys who tried to be him. Mm-hmm. All these guys, I think, try to be Biff Tannen. And they forget that, A, Thomas Wilson is actually a really, really good actor. He's He was great on Freaks and Geeks. He's a really funny, likable guy. He is. B, he created a really interesting character in Biff, who wasn't just a comedic bully. He was a, a genuinely funny and specific character, so... Yeah. I vent. <laughs> Watch Back to the Future again. Watch all three Back to the Futures. Watch all three Back to the Futures. They're all great. Yeah. I mean, anyway, let's get back to the uh, telekinesis because we have to start talking about this. Um, yeah. Ob- obvious. Like, every everything is... The effects are so cheap in this movie. They're a talking cat bad. They're a talking cat bad. Yeah, they're... That scene in... Arrested Development Season 4, where they mo- they do an MST3K mock-up of the Fantastic Four movie, and yeah, Invisible Girl bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're not even Corman Fantastic Four bad, because as we've established, I actually happen to think those effects aren't that bad. Yeah, they're really good. They're actually really good for the budget they had. These are, it's transparently fishing wire used to, like, float things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you can you can't see it, but you might as well be able to see it. I think there are a couple like bad composites. Yeah, there are some obvious bad composites. There are two things that the character uses his quote unquote powers for. There are three things. One is to float the damn bottles. Mm-hmm. The bottles are stuff that make you be able to float things. Two, the obvious exposing. Girls' private parts. Which is just plain... Let's just call it what it is. It's rapey as hell. It is very rapey, yes. It is extreme. It's horrible. And and the character does it nonstop. Yes, he does. The third thing is used to con- 
like used to make people do things they don't want to do like with usually with their hands which by the way would actually be extremely hard to do yeah like using that kind of telekinesis would be extremely hard to do because it's extremely hard to make somebody do something with their hands anyway it takes a lot of force in the real world so that's mostly what he does um uh, for ex- example, at one point, and this is where we're going to get to the underwear thing, he rips open the pants of uh, Hot Girl to reveal she's not wearing any underwear. That's just disgusting. And we find out that the reason that she's not wearing any is because... I don't have any! You ate them all! Really? Really, movie? First of all, ew. Yeah. Can we... Really, there doesn't need to be a second of all. Ew. Ew. Just... Ew. <sighs> Yeah, secondly, that establishes that Jock is apparently really a disgusting person, which is implied very strongly. It's also made very clear that he's a constant cheater and yeah. And you know, probably uh probably a white supremacist. I mean, I'm just assuming the worst of this <laughs> character because he's written as a cartoon. So, not to get political, but he's definitely a Donald Trump supporter. Yeah. <laughs> he's He's just a bad, bad person. You know, and then he rips open the girl's shirt, and there's, like, I think there's a joke about her having small breasts. I can't help that they're still growing! Great movie, you're gonna humiliate a woman. I wouldn't guess that that's what they're trying to do unless they, uh, like, if they didn't have that line. Yeah. Because it's like, okay to me, I mean, there's nothing, like, what, okay, what's your damage here? Yeah, 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 uh... And by the way, the shot of her pants ripping, that really seemed to me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering it, felt very body double to me. Body double? It might be. It, like, I'm, like, that's one of those scenes I'm almost sure was a reshoot, because it doesn't quite fit. Like, it yeah. feels like that was probably a reshoot for the R rating. Oh, God. Um, <sighs> the, on the other hand, the scene where he lifts up the uh, teacher's skirt... That was definitely a body double. That was definitely a reshoot. Yeah, and let's talk about the fact that she knows it was him somehow. Mm-hmm. But she just kind of shrugs it off. She shrugs it off and says, uh, you have that look on your face like, what's his name? And then, like, you know, it's the guy's name that was written on the bottle. And it's like, yeah, okay, bye then. And th- and then she proceeds to describe the scene, the ending of the uh, first movie, which sounds kind of horrifying. It sounds like Carrie if it was a guy, mm-hmm. a guy who was obsessed with sex. Yeah. Uh, uh, and le- and let's talk about the teacher because it's time to address the uh, the classic B movie trope of getting an actor people have heard of in for a day to shoot a scene and then being able to plaster them on the box. Yeah, Karen Black. Or well, she's one of them. Uh, Karen Black and yeah. uh, Linda Blair both shot obvious. They both obviously shot their scenes in a day. Exactly, and Karen Black is only in one scene, and in like a little bit toward the end, like during the credits montage. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get to the credits montage. Hold your tongue on that. I have so much to say. Yeah, and that kind of especially breaks my heart to see Karen Black in here because. I have met her. She is a. She was a wonderful lady. She was very bubbly and very um, made some great films. She made some great films, like one the one that we watched with her in the audience was Five Easy Pieces. Yeah, 
and it's like <laughs> this is sad yeah it, it really is yeah. sad uh uh she yeah she had a really good strong filmography but of course naturally you get to the point as an actress as you age that you're reduced to this she comes in for a single scene and it's just embarrassing she is at least spared having any humiliation done to her yeah but her scene is she's doing a bad italian accent and she's just she's just in it again get her name on the box and it's just it's sad to see her here she's teaching italian and she is italian the main character basically makes a gross sexual comment at her yeah and she retaliates by making another gross sexual comment back at him and it's like really no in reality she would have sent him to the principal's office but let's pause and talk about the principal uh, who I understand is the only returning cast member from Zapped. The principal has an ongoing uh, thing with the uh, coach who is established as an idiot, and he's constantly trying to win the principal's heart. This is one of those subplots that falls under, if this had been executed well, it might have been charming, and it has been in other films. It's not charming, not at all. It's not charming here because the coach seems like a disgusting uh, asshole who could never exist in the real world, I, I want to pause and note, I've uh, I've known a few coaches uh, in high school, and I actually liked a few of them. A few of them were actually pretty good people. Um, I actually had one teach a science class, and he did a damn good job. I, I, I definitely knew a couple who were closer to this end of the spectrum, but by and large, to be really good at a coaching job, you actually do have to be fairly intelligent. And so, I just, I'm sorry, that cliche has always bothered me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of high school movie cliches off my chest today, but... Um, at one point, by the way, the principal will wind up having sex with the coach over the intercom. Over the intercom. Let me, let me just point out that in reality, here's how this would go. <laughs> in reality, the police would show up. Both of them would be arrested for public indecency. They would both lose their jobs. And they would both probably be facing steep fines, if not a little bit of jail time. Yeah, not to mention the fact that they're they're doing this to minors. Minors. Like they are doing broadcasting this to minors. They would be arrested for... They would definitely be going on the sex offender registry. And you know what? Relationship or not, they wouldn't be allowed contact with each other. Nope. Aye, right, that's reality uh, steeping in. And if you notice that we're, like, almost talking about the telekinesis as if it doesn't matter, that's because it doesn't matter in this movie. Aside from the the pants ripping and a few brief scenes, it doesn't seem to matter at all. Yeah, weird weird science this ain't. No. Most of this movie is about their rivalry with the Key Club. Um, now, I should note, the movie does do one big deviation from the norm and have a plain girl find out about uh, what Floppy Hair has discovered. She only uses the bottle once, and it's to make a girl smear makeup on herself. This is, by the way, in the cliched locker room scene where instead of getting dressed as fast as humanly possible, women sit around in their underwear. Of course. I've never been in a girl's locker room. I'm going to safely believe this doesn't happen because I've been in male locker rooms, and your attitude is you get dressed as fast as you can, you get the hell out of there. Yeah, exactly. My other comment about when she is the scene where she actually drinks the stuff and it goes into an inexplicable Casablanca reference. Of 
all the high schools, in all the towns, in all the world, he walks into mine. Oh. It makes no damn sense. Like, it doesn't make sense within the... <sighs> no. And, and I... And if you're listening to this, I hope by now, if you've... At some point, I've made it clear that Casablanca happens to be my favorite film of all time. Hands down. I love Casablanca. I have seen it repeatedly. I know it. I I could tell where they were going with, Casab with the Casablanca thing with just the notes in the score that were supposed to evoke as time goes by. Yeah. And I was and I I was just screaming stop. Stop. They tint the screen black and white. By the way, why is Plain Girl in love with floppy hair? He seems to be a douche to her. Yeah, he is. I I just want to point out by the way that the relationships in the American Pie films were kind of wonderful because they were really well set up. Like you believed these characters had chemistry. The, the slow build of the central relationship in the three films is really kind of wonderful to watch. We, we had to discuss Alison Hannigan in Date Movie, but watching her character grow and build over those three films was really nice. Oh, God. But back to this crap. I gotta stop talking about movies I actually like. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, she's so Plain Girl has this scene, and eventually we do wind up in, well, not eventually, because this happens about halfway through the movie. There's the scene where uh, the science club makes, uh, okay, the key club d takes over the science club's space. Because, why not? Reasons. Because they decide that it would be better for them. By the way, let me point out, Anybody ever seen what a science classroom actually is like? Not that. Uh, in, a, in, a, in reality, a science classroom in a high school is explicitly a science classroom. This is a room that has no sinks, I don't think. No, no sinks, which must be in a science classroom. No chemical sinks, definitely. No. You know, science classrooms also have, on those same platforms, like little little gas outlets. Yes. Yes. None of those. None of those. It is a generic classroom set. Not even that, really. It looks no. more like a clubhouse. It does. Uh, there. The only way that you know that it's uh, actually a science classroom is the prerequisite skeleton. Mm -hmm. You always got to have that. And at one point, they take out a DNA molecule, which leads to... I can't believe I'm saying this, that I was able to find the worst line in a movie, but... Um, Plain Girl points out, hey, those are DNA parts, and uh, Jock goes, But here's the last of your tinker toys. These are DNA pieces. Fine, we like DNA pieces. Ladies, join the party! Uh, I, I forgot about that line. You just watched the movie. I'm really kind of impressed that, oh, well, I mean, as much crap as there is, you know? Right. I, I just want to point out, by the way, that, but, that I actually looked on IMDb, and uh, all of the writers of this movie are still working. Really? Yeah. In TV, mostly, and mostly on kids' shows, because that's about the level that this is pitched. Pretty much. But, yeah. Salts and Freeburg are still working, so I guess we can't be too surprised. We have to get to them later. We do. That's in a few weeks. That's in a few weeks. Be looking for that, y'all. We're going to discuss the schedule at the end of this cast. Um, oh, yeah, we have a good one. We have a good one. But anyway, let's get on. Let's get back on this, because really... So there's the prerequisite bet that happens in high school movies. In reality, in a high school, any gambling, any wagers of any kind, the students get expelled. 
Period. Yeah. Any friendly wagers, anything like that, in reality, you're expelled. Yes, we're reality checking Zapt again. We can't help it. Let's talk about the big the big event in the middle of the film that is supposedly a tradition. I actually you know what? I actually found that one of the few things in this movie that I was like, no, that's, I believe this. Really? Yeah, I believe that. I mean, my school had pep rallies. My school had things like that. For homecoming, yeah. my school did stuff like that. It, it didn't, it, it's weird because all school traditions are weird, but. I guess that's true. I didn't find it that implausible. I think that in an era where education standards are kind of trying to be improved, it's maybe a little implausible, but. I didn't find that implausible. I found one big element about this entire sequence uh, implausible, but I'll get to that in a moment. It's it's the penguin run, is what they call it. Yeah, I didn't... I bought that. I actually bought that. To me, that actually felt like something that was real. I believed that would exist. Especially at a smaller high school, which this didn't appear to be it. This was not as big as the high school I went to, for example. Yeah. For the unaware, I know this might sound surprising, because, you know, I've mentioned multiple times I'm from Arkansas... And everybody always thinks of, well, it's, you know, if it's not from the main cities, it's, well, first of all, Conway is at this point a main city. Um, but where I grew up in, um, and Nathan, uh, because I know you're going to be listening to this, you're going to get what you paid for. <laughs> you know, Conway was a pretty big sized school. Conway was a huge school, actually. Enormous. You know, there were several hundred people in my graduating class, for example. So, you know, I'm just saying, I didn't find that part implant. I, 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 I bought this. And... The tradition itself was cute. The uh, the school is, um, their mascot is the penguin, so. Which, I don't know, maybe it's because of the fake cast we did, but I just find that hilarious. I know, I did too. I did too. <laughs> Can we use this moment, by the way, to really talk about PA guys? Because they are in fu- out in full force here. And again, yes. in reality, they would have been expelled on day one. In reality, they probably wouldn't have advanced far enough to make it that far in school. The best part about their, you know, they're hijacking the PA system is that they are, they are the whole time out in the open. Mm-hmm. Like, they are sitting right next to the specific PA that they are jacking into, which somehow reaches the whole school. Uh-huh. They couldn't be arrested? Exactly. Because they could totally be arrested for trespassing. Yeah, there is, you know, in any other logical movie, uh, there would be a payoff to that. There is no payoff to this. No, these guys never get arrested. They never get brought down. These guys are the most unbearable. These, they are not funny, even in the slightest. God. All their jokes are fart jokes, a, an occasional sex joke that, again, is decidedly PG-13. And, you know, jokes about bad cafeteria food, which... Okay, let's call it what it is. That one's actually a tr- that one's actually a reality. I never ate cafeteria food. I give them. It's like okay, you get that cliche. That one I'm actually going to give you. But I mean, these are the lamest, safest jokes. This makes me think about the guys that I knew in high school who I actually considered funny. Uh, one of whom, by the way, is currently showing up in BuzzFeed videos. <laughs> yeah, if you want to know what happened to the people that I thought that were quote unquote considered funny at my high school. One of them's doing it professionally. Uh, yeah, you sent me a video, and that, that was, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it was a good video, too. Even more impressive, he's pretty much the straight man in the video, which was hilarious to me. <laughs> Piercy, yeah. I'm really damn glad for you. Uh, I, I should stress, by the way, uh, I am extremely happy for my friend's success, and, and he was a good friend of mine. 
I'm extremely mm-hmm. happy for him. Uh, he deserves it all the way. Yeah. But I just again, these guys are not funny at all. They are making the lamest jokes. In reality, people that made those kinds of jokes, well, I mean, I don't. We're never given any sense of association. Come to think about, it, do these characters ever even interact with the plot at all, aside from sitting there on the sidelines? They do not. You know what? I guarantee you, reshoots. Those are reshoots. Those are reshoots. Yes. Those characters were definite reshoots. But again, mm. if you're going to try and reshoot things to get up to an R rating, aren't there certain words they should be using? <laughs> I know I limit my profanity on here, and that's just a stylistic choice for me, but come on. I'm just saying. Throw a fuck or two in there. They didn't, though. It's just, it's it's abrasive to me. So these characters, so yeah, so these characters are doing it. And then in the middle of the uh, race, in order to try and make the key club stop, at one point, the main character rips a girl's pants off. Yeah, because she's carrying weights. Yeah, let's talk about what would happen in reality there. The entire thing would shut down, stop. Yeah, that would, it would not go on. The entire competition would be disqualified on account of the fact this would be something that would stop it dead. Yeah. This movie so does not exist in anything plausible. I I, I cannot believe this movie. It's like, yeah, you have, okay, so far, let's keep score here. For the main character. Okay. So far, he acts like a douchebag. Mm-hmm. He treats his supposed love interest like crap. Mm-hmm. Makes a bet with the quote-unquote cool kids yeah. uh, to get their to get their uh, thing back. Uh, cheats at said bet and is never punished for it. And repeatedly molests girls. This is our hero, guys. This is our hero. Oh, uh, this is This is ugly. This is making me think nicely about Porky's, which at least threw in a bizarrely poignant subplot about anti-Semitism amidst all the uh, unspeakably sexist behavior that surrounded that film. Wow. Porky's did something better. Lord. There should be a rule for movies. Don't do something worse than Porky's. (laughs) This is bad. This is just... Ugh. So yes, and again, and by the way, the shots of the girl uh, having her pants ripped off, those felt, again, conspicuously like maybe something else was intended in that shot, but they wanted to go for the R rating. Right. Like, why is why is she holding the weights? My guess is when it was still a teleplay, it was just a generic made them drop the weights. Yeah. But now it's that she's startled. And, and also, why is she not wearing underwear? Yeah. She's wearing a uh, skirt in the scene, if I remember correctly. It's not the first person wearing a skirt that is not wearing underwear. This movie does not exist in... Because, again, let's talk about dress codes. Oh my... God, you can't get away with that. Brief mention of the paparazzi. Yeah. Who, again, don't interact with any other element of the plot. Now, I'm even left to wonder how much of that opening sequence was originally in the film i'm almost certain that one was because come to think about it, we don't ever see the mother again we really don't know you're right yeah wow it really is kind of fascinating to step back and look at the filmmaking here um because this was pretty clumsy i mean seriously this feels like it was this i don't know but anyway let's go we've got to get through the plots so, because we still have mm-hmm. much more to go um in, let's 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 truck through the characters get the uh, club back we get the inevitable sequence of the main character having his popularity start to go to his head. 
Hot Chick asks him out and decides to dump Jock. Mm -hmm. And then we get the inevitable sequence where he uh, realizes that he should actually be with Plain Girl. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Which also, like, the sequence of events also doesn't make sense with that because there's a thing where um, you kind of pick out that pick up that yeah they're both kind of attracted to each other and like she's even clearly like asking him out at one point mm-hmm. and it's like no no person no no guy is going to mistake that for anything else no, and it's... then oh god so yeah so so yeah she's clearly asking him out she is transparently asking him out well what i'm trying to say is i was wondering if you and i could hi kevin how's the champ can i talk to you for a minute uh, and he like hesitates for the longest time. Yeah, sure. I'll see him, class. Fucking moron. No, in reality, here again, because because I just keep loving going back to reality. In reality, he would have said, "Excuse me, I'm really busy. Let me finish talking to her." I mean, he is a rude jackass. Don't get me wrong, but even rude jackasses know enough basic social skills to know that you let someone finish what they have to say. Yeah. Uh, Damn this movie. So yes, so Hot Girl asks him out. And yeah, she, um, at some point, Plain Girl tries to say, okay, no, look, she's using you to get back at her boyfriend, you know. Obviously. Yeah, she, I don't know if we mentioned it, but she is dating, you know, the jock guy. I think it could have been safely assumed. It's not like this movie takes any unpredictable leaps of uh, characterization. Yeah, everybody's a stereotype in the worst worst possible way so yeah and then later she admits to him that yeah she's actually kind of in love with his lackey which that again could have been a really interesting plot because the lackey actually actually does show some genuine affection and kindness for her Mm -hmm. and in a movie that was good this would have been played up and this would have been an actual plot it's not it's it's brushed off it just happens yeah but this brings me to one of my favorite this movie has no grounding in reality scenes. How they treat the homecoming gang. There's almost uh, no attention paid to this in this movie. There's it's 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 almost a brushed off event. By the way, we find out that Wayne is uh oh wait, I accidentally said the character's name. We find out I, I, I remembered it for a second, I'm sorry. We find out that Jock <laughs> is a player on the team. Yeah, of course he is. Okay. Wow, let me I think this this movie Again, during that scene where she like confesses to him that who she's actually in love with and who, you know what she's doing, actually has a really good line that would have worked in any other movie, which is and that guy treats you like a pin on his letterman's jacket. Yeah, I actually liked that line. What's it doing in here? Yeah, in a in a movie that treats women as objects, mm-hmm. and also could only have happened in that era. That line wouldn't make any sense today. No, it would not. But again. Here's the thing about the high, how the football game is handled that cracks me up. Is it's handled as a non-event that everybody goes to, but no one really talks about it. It's not treated as any kind of score thing, etc. Yeah. Oh my god, that is the most unrealistic thing to me. I don't know how high school football was at your school, but I sure as hell know what it was like at mine. There was football? Okay, that, tell, that tells me how it was at your school. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not universal. But I know that at my school, and at, certainly at schools in the South, and okay, this is set in California, it, it must just be a really different cultural thing, because at my school, 
football mattered. You know what? Actually, I take that back. That's not possible for that to be the case. In California, USC is one of the most dominant football powerhouses in the nation repeatedly. They play for the national championship seemingly every other year. No, I'm not going to give this movie that. In reality, at least there would have at least been more discussion of it. The penguin race wouldn't have been as important as the football game. I'm sorry. Right. And also, if the guy, if uh, Jock was really a player on the team, he wouldn't have been as available as he was. No. Most football players that I know played football pretty damn seriously. For those who want to know, is high school football in the South truly like it is in Friday Night Lights? I first of all point out that the movie that the movie is based on a true story. And right. secondly, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Friday Night Lights movie is pretty damn spot on. I've never seen the show. I've heard it's great. I've heard the show's great. Um, oh, same, yeah. The movie's excellent. Rob actually talked a fair bit about that. Yeah, he did. He can't attest to that. Um, yeah. but He sold it well. Yeah, I mean, I live in the uh, Midwest... And, yeah, football was pretty big at high school. Uh, I was in the marching band, so I can't say too much about it. I, you know, I tried to learn the rules just so I could keep up. They just, uh, they didn't interest me. I covered high school football for two years, so I know. Yeah. And maybe that's why I'm sensitive to it, because, ugh. Yeah. I don't know. But, no, high, no football was so prevalent at my high school that, Wow, when I went to college, I was so glad that they did not have a football team. Oh, uh, my college, my college had pretty, they had a decent one, not a great one, but a decent one. Um, but anyway, we've got to get into the scene that happens when main character and uh, when floppy hair and plain girl do finally confess their feelings and have a stupid romantic montage. <sighs> yeah, and she okay, he finds her under the bleachers after. After he's just like, okay, go to that guy. You know, you're obviously, you want to be with him. And, you know, it's like, thank you for your help. Oh, you're welcome. And she's under the bleachers. Mm -hmm. Really bad place to be during a game, by the way. You're going to have stuff dripped on you and it's gross. Food is going to fall on you. What is she doing there? Why is she even at the game? Yeah. What is she doing there? Like, why? She's only there so he can find her. Mm -hmm. Like, here's how it worked at my school. If you weren't interested in football, you usually went to the movies on a uh, Friday night. Yeah. I'm speaking from experience there. If you weren't interested in football, you went to Hastings or you did something else. Right. You didn't go to a football game. That's just kind of how it works. Yeah. Like, I I only went again because marching band. Yeah. Like, I was in the band. Or you were in the band. That's just it. Plain Girl seems like someone who probably would have been in the band, actually. Yeah. You know what? what, Here, that's such an easy fix for the screenwriters. So, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But but that's that. You gotta have that cliche. But no, she wouldn't have even been there. She would have either been in the band or she would have not been there. But anyway, we've got to get into this montage because it is just... I'm going to be quick with it. It is the stupidest. It's just a series of them, like, uh, rapid shots of them... Jumping around this house, making out, apparently yeah. <laughs> having sex at one point. One at one point, they're on top of the refrigerator. It is. It is one of those classic '80s. Could only happen in a movie, and they're only doing this around one room montages. Um, it's a lot of rapid sh- cuts. It's like they appear and disappear. 
if you want anything that's more like late 80s, early 90s, you won't find it. The The last shot is them getting under a zebra blanket. Uh-huh. It, and it's set to... The music in this film... Look, I always... I don't feel right trashing music in movies like these because I they don't really have the money for top tier. The music in this is pretty bad, though, and it's, it's pretty hard to listen to. And it is so late 80s, pretty bad. Yeah, it's... And I was gonna say, you know, no budget. Tell that to the, to the blatant samples that they use in the last song in the film. Well, we're gonna get there. Let's try. Let's let's kind of try and and speed to get there because I feel like the last few sequences of this film, I have a lot to say about them, but I also at the same time don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we have the main romantic plot resolved, but here's the problem: we still have thirty minutes to go in this movie. Yes. And we still have a... I don't really know if there is any is even an arc to the uh, whole psychic thing. No, because... It's just, it's just kind of thrown in. They start, to, they start to run out of it and they get down to one bottle. That one bottle gets confiscated when the uh, bullies frame them for uh, cigarettes and uh, booze and such. By the way, this includes yeah. one of the dumbest jokes in the movie where the uh, jock says... Yeah, I saw something hidden behind that picture of Kenny Rogers pointing to a picture of Albert Einstein. Uh, no. No. Uh, he wouldn't be that stupid. Nobody's that stupid. Nobody is that stupid. Furthermore, the character acts and talks rather erudite for somebody who's supposed to be that stupid. Right. No, he's going to know who Albert Einstein is. Yeah, and it's, his, and it's one of his more famous portraits, too. Yeah, it's so... So no, no, I don't believe this sequence for even a second. That's like fucking in the 90s, the screenwriters throwing jokes in that kids don't know what records are. Which is irony now, huh? Yeah, exactly. Me as a kid going, my parents have records. I play them all the time. I know what they are. Fuck you. Yeah, I mean, it's just exactly. It's like, A, we knew what they were then. B, we're really starting to become huge fans of them now because vinyl is coming back in a big way. Because Mm -hmm, people are realizing it's a superior format to listen to music in. I want a record player, I'll just admit that right now. Yeah, I I mean, it's becoming a really big format to bring music back into. Because digital just can't capture the the warmth of it. Vinyl is legitimately better, but okay, I'm getting sidetracked because I want to talk about things I actually like. This results in, inevitably... The uh, villains coming up with a huge elaborate plot. They're going to say that, look, we'll get you off the hook for your suspension if Floppy Hair will A, participate in a uh, sketch that they're going to do, and B, they'll work the booth at the fair that they're going to do and provide the food. Right, exactly. This leads to a double, to uh, a pile-up upon pile-up of unrealities happening. Yeah. They inject flea medicine into the uh, wieners, which will supposedly just make you itch. Yeah, it's like, I don't think that's all that would do. No, I think it would probably make you vomit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're poisoning these people. Yes, you are poisoning. This is a movie that is so filled with poisonings. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the heroes are going to try to poison people, which, by the way, it's completely traceable back to them. In fact, at one point right. in the climax, they even admit to doing it. They do. Well, you're all you're all getting arrested, thrown out of school. You're not going to college because 
you know, attempted poisoning is something colleges do tend to notice when you're, you know, you're looking at a criminal record someone has. Yeah. And in fact, the principal does expel him. Uh-huh. But apparently it's undone. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, then there's the whole, they're going to uh, throw tomatoes at Floppy Hair. Who is allergic to tomatoes. He is deathly allergic. They're, ha ha ha, they're going to try and kill him. Yeah, which, by the way, yeah, they're not doing this unintentionally. They they break into the records, and for some reason, the fr- the fact that he's allergic to tomatoes is on there. So, like, all right, let's hit him with tomatoes. We're going to murder him. Yeah, and that that's no uncertain terms. Ha <laughs> ha, murder. He, you know, is like, oh, man, you know, if I, you know, he, first of all, he sneezes at one. It's like, okay. And then he admits that if, you know, if he's exposed to enough of them, he could go into shock. It's like, yeah, murder. They're going to, they're going to kill him. So Floppy Hair realizes he needs to get a bottle so that he can mass control everybody's arms not to hit him (laughs) and turn their arms to um, Jock. Right. Here are some of the problems with this. Number one, there is no way on, if we're assuming... That telekinesis is... It just doesn't work that way. No. Okay, telekinesis doesn't exist and is impossible. But let's even just plausibly say, realistically... That's mind control. It just, just for the sake of it, let's try and play realism here with uh, telekinesis. Theoretically, you would only have the strength of one person. You would need a tremendous amount of force. Secondly, his plan is that he thro- has the tomatoes thrown at Jock. You know what tomatoes are, like, really heavy in? Juice. Not being aerodynamic? They're not very aerodynamic. They're very, they're very juicy. He's going to, he doesn't run off stage as far as he can. He's going to be They're going to splatter on him. He's still going to go into shock. And yes, I'm picking apart the logic holes of Zapped again, but you know what? It's fun to do. There are so many holes to choose from. Okay, so the principal, and then, by the way, at just the convenient moment, the itching steps in, and people start ripping off their clothes. Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't even need to use his telekinesis there. So that we can get a rip-off of the ending of the first movie. (sighs) Oh, God, this movie. And then at the end, the principal confronts them, and is like, you know, well, what's going on? Well, blah, 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 and... For some reason, the heroes are let off the hook. No, in reality, they're all going to jail. They're all going to jail. Yeah. And, and here's the reason I keep going back to realism. If you're going to make a movie with a premise like telekinesis, you need to have a baseline reality for everything to work. You need to have some rules. You need to have some rules. Um, let's talk about another movie with telekinesis, uh, Chronicle, which... I kind of feel bad for everybody involved because August was a really bad month for them. Yeah, I guess those follow-up projects didn't go, didn't work so well, did they, y'all? No, I have not seen either, although I've heard American Ultra is actually pretty good. Yeah. But here's the thing. Chronicle did establish a baseline reality. While, okay, in reality, the main character is... Like, like I actually believed that the main character would be kind of an outcast, even though he's a little too pretty to be plausibly such because he acts like someone who's an outcast he acts like an outsider he he's weird he is a strange character i believed this character was an outcast he actually kind of reminded me a lot of myself in uh high school he was abused at home and it was treated with seriousness 
there was a baseline reality to that movie so that when things got uh, over the top, I could believe it. This movie has no baseline reality, and most 80s teen comedies didn't have a baseline reality. Yeah. Guys, comedy is only funny when there is some kind of a baseline reality, a straight man to this world. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't exist here. Okay, I will pose an example. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Why that... Uh, we might mention this before, but while why that works and why it's so funny... Because I love that show. I know. Is that these characters are crazy and do whatever they want, but the, the entire world is the straight man. Mm-hmm. The entire world is people stepping in and going, no, you're going to pay the consequences for your actions. And it's like, they're the ones that you identify with as you're like, yeah. Yeah. By the way, the show also has a very strong point of view on what these characters do. They do, yeah. And which is, they're terrible and nobody should ever do this ever. Yeah. I mean, the people that make the show openly say, we want you to find these characters morally despicable. <laughs> we don't want you to identify and want to be these people. I, God, this movie. Yeah. But in this movie, there is no baseline for the comedy. And so nothing can... Okay, Dumb and Dumber is a great example, by the way, of what I'm talking about. About having a baseline. The main characters are idiots, but they're very sincere idiots. They act mm-hmm. as if the way that... Like, if you really listen to how Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels deliver their lines in those movies, they're not delivering them as if they're jokes. They're delivering them as if these are things these characters seriously think. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do in comedy. And that's what's not done in this movie, is nobody is plausible. So let's talk about the sequence that we have to talk about. Let's talk about the a cliche that need that... I'm going to say this right now. I can think of one movie that I have seen end this way and not be a terrible movie. That is the cliche of the end credits music video with everybody singing. Or in this case, white guy rapping. I can think of only one movie that I have seen in my entire life where that cliche didn't absolutely, where it wasn't a terrible movie. I can only think of Mm -hmm. one and I've seen a lot of movies. The 40-Year-Old Virgin absolutely pulled that cliche off beautifully. Otherwise, I've never... It's been a long time since I've seen it. Oh, it's amazing in that movie. It's wonderful, and it feels right. Mm -hmm. And it's fundamentally a joke. It's supposed to be a reflection of an orgasmic feeling. So it goes goes into uh, Age of Aquarius from Hair. (laughs) Right. It is amazing in that movie. And... It, it's that's that's it that's oh, that's good it goes without saying watch the 40 year old virgin instead of this please do it's kind of a it's kind of a weird like it turns the uh teen sex comedy on its head by of course making the characters adults mm-hmm. and it actually has something to say yeah and it's actually it actually handles everything with the maturity of you know being adult and yeah. Yeah, it has something to say which is nice but let's get into this music video this is unbearable to watch. This hurts. And the problem is, you can't turn it off. You know what? I found myself, I hate that I say, I say this, but you know what I found myself wanting to watch what? during that instead? The uh, the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 with Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, say what you want to about Vanilla Ice. At least he's vaguely entertaining. He's a personality. Yeah. He's a character. 
He's not any he's not any good at what he does. Don't get me wrong. His flow was despicable, but it was just atrocious. He was an idiot. But at least he was a funny character. This mm-hmm. is nothing. This is literally nothing. Oh God, this is this and it's a it's one of those raps that references the plot of the movie. They even managed to get the title in awkwardly. Yeah. But it's bad and it's unlistable and it's garbage. So yeah. So there's there is a rap and it's a music video. By the way, the credits are overlaid over the music video, so you can't really see what's going on. That's the other scene where Karen Black appears. Yeah. They just have her do a little thing and it's like, okay, thanks for this black, here's your paycheck. Yeah. I hope it was a good one. Because God. Because this hurts. So this music video is atrocious, and it's just, the song stinks, it's so bad, and this is just, you're just sitting there listening to this going, what the hell is this? This cliche, I'm glad it doesn't seem to be as common as it used to be, but uh, let's, let's, let's not ever bring this one back, especially not the rapping, because, yeah, I haven't seen it, but if Straight out of if Straight Outta Compton ends in with rap music over the end credits, okay. Mm-hmm. That one would be allowed to. That's going to deserve it, yeah. In fact, I actually hope it does. It should, I mean. This is just, this is bad. I'm, I'm at a point where I have to give my final thoughts on this movie. Obviously, this is a bad movie. This is a really bad movie. But you know what? I kind of, in a weird way, recommend it. Yeah. Just as a reference point, uh, what you should not do in a teen sex comedy in in any sort of comedy. It is interestingly bad. I'm going to give it that. <laughs> it's fascinatingly bad. And I, I think it does get some credit for me on that. It's interestingly bad. I don't think it's I don't think it's a good movie at all. I think it's an atrocious movie. I don't think it's rewatchable in any way. I don't think it's rewatchable. I think it's a one-time only trip. But in a weird way, I do think it's worth sitting through as a study of how interestingly bad a teen sex comedy can be. I'll be honest, I would probably have somebody sit through this instead of Porky's. Yeah. Because this is because this is a little less painless. And, I mean, it's still painful. It's still going to hurt. But this is kind of, fa- it's just kind of fascinating. I mean, it's not a boring, bad movie by any stretch. I had things to think about at every second of the movie. And it is, it is so sh- it's not strange enough to be the pr- the product of one obvious mind. It doesn't. It's not a, a why so win situation. Boy, a lot of those directors do have W sounds at the start of their names, don't they? They do, don't they? It's not a, as interesting as as those, but it, 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 in terms of this kind of movie, these movies are out there and don't usually get the attacks they deserve. But to understand why it was that a distributor might pick up Troll Two. For example, this is a good movie to look at to understand what that culture of direct-to-video sequels was like in the 1990s. That culture of direct-to-video comedies, because I've seen a few other movies like this. This is not the only one. I'm not going to say it's a good movie because it's it's atrocious. But if you want a movie to get like drunk with and make fun of, it's not a bad <laughs> choice. It's it's honestly not a bad choice to talk back to. Yeah, it, it's it's a good choice to to make fun of. It's thankfully not very long. It's ninety two minutes. It doesn't really drag, honestly. I, I didn't think it dragged particularly. It didn't drag. It does take like twenty six minutes to get to the point. If the uh, psychic thing is the point, it didn't feel like it was. No, but 
I don't know. I mean, it's, as I said, it's interestingly bad. Nathan, I really do lift my hat to you. You, you, you chose well. You chose well. Good job, sir. Please, you have, let's see, this is your one for, what, September? Mm-hmm. In, what's over November? In December, please give us another one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> please do. Although we won't, we won't be able to do it. I don't know, we, we may have a hole in the schedule to get one in. Ooh, especially if yeah. we're doing mostly bad movies in December. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you know, obviously file your request in December and we will do it as soon as we can. Yeah, Nathan, file your request in December. We will give you an interesting cast. I, I hope we've given you your mm-hmm. money's worth, man. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say you bested us because you uh, you got us to have a lot to say on this movie. We have, by the way, now talked longer than the movie has run. So. This is true. So if you can do that, then, you, then you've given us, you've chosen well. I think you've given us a fascinating cast. Thank you for your support. So let's use this as a chance to segue into our wrap-up and thank our supporters. Nathan Shin, obviously, we start by thanking you. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Bridget Shin. Thanks, Mom. Thank you, Sean from No Totally. As always. And we will always mention you with your cast because... Uh, you've been a good cross-promoter. Absolutely. So yeah, and we support other podcasts, of course. Mm-hmm. And his is awesome. Thank you, Daisy. As always. And uh, thank you, Sheila. Yeah. But, you know, thanks to y'all, and y'all really keep listening. We are we are excited to be weekly. Um, yeah. You know where to find us, but in case you don't... You can find us at thefilmroom.podbean.com. That is where we post the cast. That is where we post the blog blurb and the links and everything else. All this information that I'm about to list. You can find us on iTunes if you are into that. Uh, you can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, our Facebook page. Uh, add your like to the mix, uh, face- facebook.com slash thefilmroom. And once again, of course, you can support us on Patreon. Any amount helps. A dollar, a dollar and up gets you access to exclusive content. And early access to the cast. On the regular feed, it goes up on Tuesday, but the trend has been that... Early access goes up on Sunday. So that's that's a couple days early. Yeah. By the way, God, I love that I can that I can export and don't have to worry about uh, how big the file is going to be. Woohoo! Let's give people a little bit of an advance notice of what's coming because we've got some interesting casts coming. Yeah, and of course, all this is subject to change mm-hmm. um, because that's just how we do. Our guaranteed next episode is going to be paying off our other Patreon requester yeah we are doing a richard harris movie for my mother we're doing a man called horse that's gonna be our first western actually yeah this is truth i'm surprised we actually haven't done more i know and it won't be our last we have another one in in the offing in the spring yes one which i haven't written down on the calendar yet which i'm surprised i haven't yeah oh yeah we get into hitchcocktober we get into hitchcocktober that's coming up strong i'm so glad that we are now weekly because you know, October isn't just for Hitchcocktober. No. We can do other things, too. We are going to, at one point in October, pay homage to the late Wes Craven. Yes. Great filmmakers deserve their due. Yeah, the first one on the 6th. Uh, Best Night Ever is coming on the 12th. Our promised uh, for the $15 Patreon mark. Mm-hmm. We get to suffer again. We get to suffer again, and it's going to be hard suffering. So that's coming on. The 20th is the second Hitchcocktober film. And then for Halloween... New Nightmare. We're going to do New Nightmare, and we're going to cover A Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Mostly going to focus on yeah. New Nightmare, but we are going to cover the original. And really, as much of the 
series if you can. Uh, but that's what's coming yeah. on, and we will talk to y'all next week. Bye, everybody. I was tired and bored and sick of being annoyed. But all that changed when I erased to score of my reward. Gripped in hands at my command is a powerful secret potion. In its depth, were cool concepts for setting things in motion. The power, the rhythm, it's endless fantasy. I have the upper hand on everything that curves have come to me. Making it with connections, and I knew for a fact I was gonna get zapped. I gotta have it! Love a full moon, don't you? Very romantic.